I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. NBC Sports, Football Morning and American columnist Peter King. What do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast? I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas Podcast. The Chase Thomas Podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ. Tennessee baseball kicking things off with Mississippi State tonight, if uh, the weather permits. It's been raining all day long here in East Tennessee, but it's been a good week. Tennessee basketball, all kinds of big names. Uh, They're now having to decide uh who gets voted off the island uh in the scholarship front over the next couple weeks so it's uh it's always a fun time to go to uh all quest message boards and see or, or any tennessee sites message boards and see uh who the fans are trying to take uh which scholarship they're trying to take um from some guys uh on the current tennessee roster because we're trying to come to the numbers and the numbers don't work but we'll get into tennessee college basketball all that good stuff with fellow university of tennessee alumni stats by will will warren up there in oak ridge tennessee will good evening sir how are you i'm doing well and i think it would be remiss to not give a shout out to the uh, resurging evolves softball program yes uh still top five i believe in the polls just swept florida 
Yeah, number three. Sorry, number three of fish. Mm-hmm. So everything's cool HQ. To well, the, uh, yeah, favorites get to the College World Series. Not probably not going to be Oklahoma, but that's okay. Oklahoma is, you know, <laughs> Oklahoma every year. But uh, that's no, true. things are things are good. Don't they? Well, I thought they still played baseball at the baseball stadium no matter what, because it's turf, isn't it? Wait, like so the whole again? field is. I thought they played. I thought they played baseball basically no matter what at that field because everything is turf, including the the base paths. Are you talking about with rain? Yeah, it's uh, a good question. I don't know. Though the mound is dirt, so that could yeah. be in effect. And just guys slipping and falling, and you just never know with injuries. I don't. I don't know. That's, That's going to be the strangest feeling actually to run on turf base paths. Hmm. I've never done that. I don't think I have either. Yeah, I def- yeah, there would have been no context for me to do that now across like the bouncy uh, Tennessee track I've run on, which yeah. I know you have, which is a delight where you feel like you're 25 pounds and you're just flying <laughs> and you're just bouncing like you're on an adult bouncy ride. Um, it's pretty great. But they're letting you go astronaut mode on the track. They really are astronaut mode. Capital A, <laughs> capital M. Um Will Warren, the college basketball season has concluded. We did one pod wrapping up uh, UConn winning it all a few weeks ago, and we're back to begin our off-season series here. Um, but I kind of want to do some recap stuff. So I've got some questions for you that I think uh, will be really interesting to pick your brain on. And the first is, and this was something that I've been thinking about because this happens every year in sports, right? And especially college basketball where – tournament you have 68 teams you have a lot of good teams throughout the year you have some teams having really great tournament runs but if they ultimately didn't win at all then they're kind of lost uh, in history they're not like if they make the final four uh, but they were really good and really good for a long time and they had a deep run and they shouldn't have even gotten as far as they did but for you which is gonna who is going to be the best forgotten team from this college basketball season it's pretty easily houston I mean, which is the same because we were, uh, I feel like a lot of us were very all in on them and, you know, believed in them a lot. And, you know, they had a bad game at the wrong time. It just, Mm. it happens to, I mean, it happens to 63 of the 64 teams in the field every year. Theirs is just a little more high profile. But uh, I think Houston's the pick here because when you look at the remainder of like the top-ish end of college hoops this past year, Mm. Everyone else had either a more notable demise or uh, were more prolific, I would say, in like the two months leading up to the tournament. So like UCLA bombed out in the Sweet 16, but they lost in an all-time classic game. Alabama was Alabama. Texas made the Elite Eight and had the Rodney Terry story the whole year. Purdue Mm. lost to a 16 seed. Like those are things people aren't really going to forget for the most part. Like UCLA is probably the closest to being forgotten of those and even then that's a 31 win team that like their fans are always going to really care about and a lot of pac 12 people care about for a long time mm. um but houston is in this weird position where they were great the whole year for the most part but they also are like a post-hype team of sorts that already made their quote-unquote big accomplishment by going to the final four and elite eight in back-to-back years Mm. So they were already sort of there. And it kind of felt like for the last two months of the season, people forgot they existed because a lot of people don't watch the AAC, which fair. Mm. (laughs) I don't think there's like a... Well, they won't have that problem next year. Yeah, they won't have that problem. And I mean, 
really, unless it was Houston, Memphis, not many people were going to tune in for an AAC game this year. Mm. Uh, but in the Big 12, that'll change. But I think Houston's kind of your answer here. The secondary one, um, I wonder how many people are, are going to remember Arizona losing to a 15 seed uh, down the line. Because mm. it, it was for for like a day, basically. Right? It was Yeah, it was a full day. Mm. A full day, Arizona was the biggest story, a two seed losing to a 15 yeah. And then, like, by Saturday, everybody forgot it happened because of Fairleigh Dickinson. Yeah. They they found a way to get upstaged as the <laughs> biggest loser of the tournament. So uh, that that would be sort of my runner-up of, like, high-end team who had an uh, unfortunate demise that very few people are actually going to recall in, like, five years. It's also weird, I, the national basketball folks. I was listening to Field of 68 the other day, and they were talking about Arizona and... Tommy Lloyd overachieving with this group the last couple of years. And mm-hmm. um, I was like, this is a way to spin like these early exits. It's like, we shouldn't even been this high of a seed. We shouldn't even gotten to where we are. Like it's, uh, I don't know. That's uh, Arizona has gotten a lot of the benefit of the doubt here early on because Tommy Lloyd has turned them into a regular season uh, pack 12 juggernaut um, and also yeah. good recruiting and things like that. But it, it does seem like uh, he is uh, kind of, in the good graces of everybody, even with these early, uh, early losses in the tournament to this point. Well, it, it helps when it's just your second year. I yeah. think if it, if it became like a three, four, five year trend, then people would start to sour a bit. But mm. when you've been there two years, both years you had a top ten team, and you won. I'm just running a quick calculation here. Yeah, sixty one games over two seasons. Like people are going to be pretty forgiving, I think, yeah. especially given what Arizona had sort of. Not like devolved into, but I mean, it wasn't the Arizona of my, uh, you know, very young youth or even the Arizona of 10 years ago. So uh, he, he's built them back up to something special, but it, it is weird that they had this, you know, you know, flame out in the tournament. And I honestly, it took me a second to remember how they went out. Hmm. I, I don't, I mean, it's not like the Fairleigh Dickinson thing where you were texting everyone. You're like, Hey, uh, <laughs> this is insane. You'd better tune in. This mm-hmm. is just like, well, a two seed kind of does this every year now. That's true. Do you think that's going to be more common? Is it the variance with the shot? Is it just the variance with the tournament? Like, do you think we're just going to have just one and two seeds go down more consistently? Or is this just people overreacting to this year alone? Uh, I don't think it's overreaction. I think my man, John Fendler has a really good, uh, hypothesis on this that needs more testing, obviously, but is one I've been thinking about a lot lately. Uh, the portal gets a lot of freak out of mid-majors transferring up, but the problem is it's not like better athletes are transferring up. Mm. It's mid-major athletes transferring to high major programs. And when those high major programs play mid-major programs in March, they're like, oh, we have the same athletes now, basically. Hmm. The athlete, the athletic split between the two is not nearly as wide as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you saw like Princeton beating Arizona, despite by my memory, shooting very poorly from three or mm. fairly Dickinson beating Purdue, despite having pretty, you know, not that great offensive game themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, you see a lot of hype about teams getting, you know, prized mid-major transfers and to be sure some of those are going to be very impactful like Aaron Estrada to Alabama Dalton Connect to Tennessee others I've forgotten about because I 
shove a lot of the portal stuff out of my brain because it's too much. Mm. But I mean, the point there is like, it's not like Duke getting Kyle Filipowski back or going to get multiple five stars. Mm -hmm. You are getting a great college player. You may not be getting a great college athlete or at least not one who separates himself athletically. That's Cedric's feeder going off in the background for this point, by the way. I thought you were under fire. Will's under fire for I'm this under take. fire by Kibble. <laughs> Your uh, Instagram the other day was funny, and I assume that it was because it, it read, it like, uh, the intent was Cedric saw uh, <laughs> feed me Cedric without the comma. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure, because it was great. Um, best new coach on this scene in 2022-2023 will be who, Will Warren? Uh, on the scene, I, I kind of have a hard time going with best new one because it's like, one, I don't know as much about these new assistants, and two, the new guys are all like 47. Mm. <laughs> We're having, it's a weird deal where college basketball coaches are getting younger on the whole, but they're all 45. Like, hmm. we don't have a ton of... I think we phased out of that era where we were hiring like a lot of 32-year-olds at mm -hmm. various places. And now we get a lot of assistant lifers or D2 guys coming up. Um, but to the best newer coach on the scene, and I'm just saying like five years or less as a head coach at D1, mm. really pumped about Mark Madsen at Cal. Huh. Um, he was amazing at Utah Valley. Uh, really turned that program around. Not... Uh, unnotable to me that Fardaw's AMAC uh, kind of lost. He had like the Space Jam moment of losing his powers the second he left Utah Valley. Mm -hmm. And uh, he has since transferred to Cal to reunite with Madsen. Um, I mean, the guy remade their roster multiple times and he just kept winning over and over. And their defense was amazing. Like two straight years, tremendous at rim protection. Mm. despite again not being able to recruit you know high-end athletes they, he just has a real nose for good front court guys and it, it's especially notable to me as a hire because cal has kind of done really stupid things for a while as a university mm. um not to be rude to cal fans but i think like cal the, fans know they've been pretty, i think they're unfortunately well aware <laughs> yeah. yeah they're they're aware they actually want the they it's like any uh advertising is good advertising like anyone talking about cal being a dumpster fire is like a positive for cal fans because they're like yes more <laughs> more coverage of this issue that we have been uh suffering through for well over a decade now but like since mike montgomery retired so you had the three-year yeah. conzo run only mm -hmm. one of those being any good mostly because he got jalen brown to come there yeah uh you had the Viking jones disaster era and then mark fox who was honestly just as bad so it's, you know, three hires were like the best result was kind of eh. And then the other two were outright disasters. Going with a proven actual basketball coach in Madsen is a great idea. Like, you know, he can win in the general Western area. He had several California kids on his most recent roster. And really importantly for Cal, you're putting it to Stanford. Mark Madsen, Stanford alum. Why did they keep Jared Haas? Mm. Did you have to? I don't think you did. There was no requirement legally stating you needed to keep him. Mm -hmm. I think it, I'm guessing it comes down to a money deal with them having fired the football coach. Yeah. Uh, but it's also Stanford. You have more money than God. So uh, just hit a tiger. It's not good folks. Like tiger. Just send a text to tiger. What are we doing? Yeah, Or, or just like Katie Ledecky has plenty of money. True. Uh, Andrew I'm Luck. Here. 
Yeah. Yeah. Andrew Luck. You got all sorts of people who could uh, single-handedly fund old Jared's buyout. But yeah. Um, Hmm. Yeah, I just did not understand them passing on him. But for Cal to pick him up like that, that's a real brutal blow to uh, Stanford. So Hmm. I I think that's probably my personal favorite hire of the offseason. I also just really want them to go to the Big Ten. Like these two need to make the jump. I'm still just like it makes me like throughout. This is how dumb sports brain I have. But just knowing that USC and UCLA are going to be by themselves in the Big Ten in two years is just silly like it we're they have to go like you have to bring they make sense you already have northwestern in there purdue you have you need those kind of schools um that don't only prioritize football and actually prioritize academics and um education and things of that nature and you know get them in and then you're like huh they, you funnel some packed uh, some big 10 money into cal and stanford what could they be could Stanford be a Duke and with Big Ten money? Could Cal be the Duke? Like I, I'd be more curious. And I, like you said, I like the Madsen hire, and it's also I think we would agree that's actually a lot better than we thought they could probably do at this point, right? Like that's well, actually yeah. a sneaky huge thing where we we were pretty dubious about even what they would who they would be able to get to replace Mark Fox. Well, I thought for a while it was going to be the UC Santa Barbara guy, Joe Pasternak, but. Mm. I, but at the time, I was like, I, I'm not sure he would take that job. I mean, it's not that it's worse than UCSB, but it's not inarguably better enough to leave because hmm. it's it's honestly not a great job. And I mean, the Pac-12 is not a great basketball conference at this point, no matter how much I want to believe in Bill Walton's you know theories. But uh, I, it's a great hire for where they're at. Mm-hmm. And number one, if he works out, again, you get to rub it in Stanford's face. But number two... This is probably the higher on the board that has the best chance of getting you back to the tournament in like a somewhat reasonably soon fashion. That's fair. Um, worst new coach on the scene you think will be who will want? Oh, uh, I wish I had. I originally thought of this question as like a looking back deal, and I was like, oh, it's the New Mexico State guy, obviously. But that one's uh, gonna be hard. Hard to that, top. I don't, I don't think anyone's topping that this no. year, unless they're ready to really commit a felony or something. But <laughs> well, um, and we're not encouraging that. Coaches, do no. not commit a felony to make please, this list. Please do not. Uh, I will say my least favorite hire, and it, this could obviously work out really well given school familiarity and given that he was an assistant there. Uh, Red Autry at Syracuse was not mm. one that I really felt in love with. It kind of felt like a panic move of sorts, of, you know, no one really wanted to tell Jim Beheim to go because he sort of earned the right to say he wants to mm-hmm. go. He was sort of daring them to do it. Uh, and it seems like the unhappy compromise was to produce, it was to promote his longest serving assistant um, while, you know, allowing Jim to retire. Mm-hmm. I just do not feel like that's a winning formula for a school that frankly needs a change. Um Yes, you can point to the zone working in March. Like, yeah, you can say they were still producing some Sweet 16 runs toward the end there. But I just want to read you off, like, the last seven records they've produced from 2017 to now. Mm -hmm. Uh, 19 and 15, 23 and 14, 20 and 14, 18 and 14, 18 and 10, 16 and 17, 17 and 15. Mm-hmm. That is a lot of mediocre. And I'm not convinced that promoting the guy who ever saw that lot of mediocre's top assistant is really going to meaningfully shift anything, 
especially when your best player, Jesse Edwards, leaves her West Virginia. We'll talk about him a little later in the transfer section. Mm-hmm. And especially when Edwards then goes out and does an interview and says, NIL is not the top reason, but I but Syracuse doesn't have their NIL game together. Like that, <sighs> to me, if you're trying to recruit and you're trying to portal it up in this day and age, like it or not, you got to have a really good game uh, in the in the NIL sphere. And it doesn't seem like Syracuse is taking it seriously at all. Yeah. Uh, which that's probably above Red Audrey's head, but... You, I don't know. If you're going to have those restrictions, I think you could have looked at like Matt Langle again from Colgate, who I feel like I've been promoting for four years now. You could have looked at like a, new, a number of other guys from the Northeast. Like Tobin Anderson wouldn't have been that bad. Hmm. Uh, there's also this guy, you might have heard of him, Rick Patino, who was looking into new jobs this offseason. Uh, I mean, maybe throw your hat in the ring there, see what happens. But yeah, yeah I, I'm... I would like to be wrong, and I, there's obviously a really good chance I will be uh, because it's Syracuse. But I, I have yet to be impressed by much of what they've brought in. They have like some talented dudes on the roster, like J.J. Starling from Notre Dame and Chance Westry from Auburn, as well as bringing back Benny Williams. But I am not convinced that this project's going to work out long term, especially since it seems like the rumor is he might be ditching some significant parts of the zone. Then what's your unique? Well, I was listening to strategy? him talk to uh, John Rothstein. Uh, had him on his show uh, a week or two ago, and I'll dive into those because they're like fifteen minutes. It's like a little period. I'm like, okay, I want to listen to this guy. I'll listen to him talk for fifteen minutes. And uh, <laughs> I was listening to him. He's a likable dude. When you listen to him, he's worked really hard. He's waited his turn. Um, big opportunity for him. But he did mention that they're going to be multiple, where they're not just going to be a zone team uh they're gonna be whatever they're gonna be they're gonna be versatile they're not gonna be locked in on the zone so i i think those days of that being the base are gone that can be good Mm -hmm. and it also can be bad because then you you're a master of none of sorts and then it's just like oh we're competent at running four different defenses but we're not good at any of them yeah but we have them Mm. so it's like well is that really better than what you were doing before so I'm willing to give him the runway to try it out. And I think it's honestly going to be like a three, four year project for him. Uh, You know, like, yeah, you can turn around Syracuse somewhat overnight, but there's a lot of structural stuff they need to fix there first. For sure. Um, Will, the best off-season hire thus far was what? It's still Mark Madsen for me. Overall? Yeah, honestly, yes. I mean, like, to me, this is... You think of it like going out to a restaurant and Mm. you look at like, think of going to like a fast food place, Mm. but you get a really freaking good burger. You're like, man, I only paid six bucks for that. And then you go to another place that's $16 Mm. and it's about the same quality. You're like, had I not like seen that, I would have been more excited about this. Mm. This is still very good, but considering what I paid for the other thing, that was arguably better or at least a better value. I don't know what Litton's deserved uh, that drive by for uh, Will Warren, but uh, if you're willing stinks. to do, I'm just kidding. Uh, the the buns are very food. dry. Uh, it's just too much food. It's too big. Uh, no, I think that's probably my personal favorite hire. I'm really interested uh, in a variety of things, but the the off season storyline to me is the teams that kept their coach, like Dusty hmm. May electing to stay at FAU. 
Uh, Washington State getting some deals done with Kyle Smith. I'm really interested to see what they do this year. Um, but I, I think my my other non-Madsen category of you really outkicked your coverage here. Mm-hmm. Um, Texas God, Tech, Texas Tech, and Grant McCasland. That is a terrific marriage right there. Yeah. Uh, because did the North Texas kid already commit? Did he transfer there? Has he he's not going to go there. Uh, okay. We'll talk about him on the transfer okay. section too. Because uh, I don't have intel there, but it seems like everybody's leaning one way. So mm. it's not Texas Tech. Okay. Um, Tyler Perry? Is that it? Tyler, yeah, Tyler Perry. Tyler not, Perry. Not okay. of Medea fame. Okay. Um, but I really like the roster he's putting together. It's going to be another Texas Tech team that is about as fun to watch on offense as like running over nails. <laughs> but defensively McCaslin really could be one of the best coaches in America. Like it's not like North Texas is an easy place to recruit to or has Mm. a lot of talent. And he owns their two best teams in 30 years, Hmm. if not further back. Um, He's recruited the state. Yeah. Very familiar with the state. Mm. We'll fit in very well culturally there. Uh, We'll not spit on his players. I think that's an important thing to note. Yes. Um, But you look at what he did at North Texas where it was a program that really had not done anything. And he's got four straight top 100 finishes, you know, 31st overall this year, which is an amazing accomplishment for a team that was in the 300s five years ago. Um, I really love what he does there. And my theory with schools like Texas Tech, because I know understand, like in the NIL age, it's a little easier to overcome this. But traditionally, Texas Tech is not an easy place to recruit to. You're not going to have the resources of a Texas or an Oklahoma or, I mean, like even, well, I mean, a and not going to be a factor, but frankly, they're probably not going to have the resources of a Houston. No, definitely and, not. Houston's and huge. So, yeah, Houston's massive. And yeah, so Texas Tech in Lubbock is in Nowhereville. I'm talking like if you look at it, like the pictures, it's nowhere. Like it's just small yeah. enrollment and it's just kind of isolated. It's just never going to be that big. It reminds me a ton of Iowa State hiring Otzelberger. Hmm. Uh, bo- both guys very defensive first minded. Both guys play tough as nails styles, but it's opposite. Whereas Iowa State is going to try and force a bunch of turnovers North Texas will force quite a few, but they are much more focused on draining the clock. Like, if they are going to play Texas next year, Mm. his goal is going to be to win that game 59 to 57. Like, he wants it played in the 50s or shorter because that's how you overcome the talent and athleticism disparity. Slow the game down. And I'm really excited to see what he can do uh, with a bigger budget than North Texas has and what looks like on paper a pretty solid roster. Houston has 7,000 more kids enrolled than Texas Tech. But, um, yeah, I guess Houston's probably got more famous alumni, too, or at least more of an endowment or whatnot. Yeah, and I think they're just going to get bigger. Like, Houston, we always thought, I mean, yeah. they have history. Like, they, I mean, Dana Holgerson's doing some really weird stuff, like canceling the spring game, and, uh, like, there's some, some weird stuff there with the football program they got to clean up. But basketball, they're a powerhouse. Kevin Sampson's good, and they recruit well enough that, yeah, they're going to be – they're going to be a power for a long time and it's in a big city and a good area and good recruiting, uh, fertile ground. Like Houston could be pretty big and be a, a formidable force for years to come. Um, your favorite transfer portal move thus far, Will Warren is which one? I'm going to give you one that has happened and one that hasn't happened yet, okay. but probably will pretty soon. Uh, number one that has Jesse Edwards to West Virginia. Hmm. Um, 
It's hard to purely project anybody who plays in a zone uh, defensively because mm-hmm. it's, I mean, like, he's not going to play in the same system at West Virginia, like, period. Mm. But Huggins' offense has always functioned really well when he's had, like, a, you know, hard-nosed, really good center to build around. Like, you know, you think of, like, some of the better groups they've had where it's, like, Derek Culver at center. I mean, I mean, like, maybe that name doesn't mean anything to people, but, like, Kanate or you go further back. And the the best teams have had have he's had have had really really good front courts. Mm-hmm. Um, West Virginia also made the most confusing transfer move of the offseason, which I'll get to shortly. But Edwards to West Virginia is a perfect fit to me. Uh, I could see him really flourishing there, and it could really open a path for uh, WVU to have quite the twenty three twenty four season. And Considering it seems like we're heading into every season at this point, you know, wondering when Bob is going to hang it up. Uh, just because he's going, I mean, he's going to be 70 by the end of next season. Um, uh, this this could be a really good position for him to make, you know, one last run at it. Yeah, I mean, they're number one right now in basketball transfer rankings. Gonzaga's yeah. number two, because I assume when I just pulled it up, I was like, Gonzaga's got to be one based on what they just did last week. And they're number two. The, uh, the guy... The, so the move that hasn't happened yet that I would watch Is this Hunter for, Dickinson but, moment? Is this the Hunter moment? No. Okay. Where do you think uh, he goes? I'm, I'm asking Hunter to show up for the first three months of the season. Ooh. Um, so one that has not now. yet okay. happened, but mm-hmm. a lot of steam seems to be building this way. Mm. Uh, Tyler Perry to Kansas State. That mm-hmm. could be the move of the offseason if it goes through. Why? What's the fit there at Kansas State? Why do you like Perry? It's not the exact same as Noel, but we've already seen that Jerome Tang can take a very good guard and make him a defensive monster. And again, if you're coming from North Texas, you know how to play really good defense. But Perry is an absolute bucket getter. He was tremendous at it there. I think that Tang is so willing to give his his guards full control of the offense in a way that other coaches aren't that this could be a really, really perfect fit for them. And if, if he's able to pull that off, and then there's rumors, but it seems unlikely that Max Acemas would go there as well. It seems like he's more of a Texas lean. Um, that could be of interest as well. But I, I really hope Perry goes to Kansas State because that's such a fun fit on paper. Kansas State's going to be – they're going to be fascinating if he can run it back uh, to the same degree. I – I mean, are you also in the sense of like, and this is the last transfer thing we'll hit with your guy, Graham EK and uh, Nim Hart, obviously uh, moving on from uh, Creighton to Gonzaga. Gonzaga was sneaky. Going to be rough next year, I think. And now are you, are you back in the Gonzaga can be a, a force, like a one, two seed type team next year? Or do you think that's still not enough for them? Uh, I don't think they're going to be a force in the same way they've been. Um, but Are they like the favorites some... over St. Mary's at least, or no? Oh yeah, I, okay. I think they'll be favored over St. Mary's by a hair. You know, not as not to the extent they used to be. But when I look at Gonzaga, it's more of like a one of the ten to fifteen best teams rather than one of the you know three mm. to five, where that they're still going to be really good. They'll probably be like a four seed or whatever, but it's not going to be quite the same level of excellence. But even so, like. When your down years are a year where I'm talking about she was a four seed, you've probably got something pretty good going. I think TJ Bombo will be pretty good for Villanova. Uh, Washington State fans are pretty upset that they lost him. Um, he should be solid. I like that one. 
Um, I feel old when I see Jameer Nelson Jr. Like, I don't like that near uh, just at all. Uh, hard pass mm. on that one. And the memes are always hilarious of just uh, Eric Musselman whenever he gets a sniff that some player's about to hit the portal that he's he's on the case, um, which is it's funny. <laughs> uh, your least favorite portal move, though, Will Warren, thus far is what? Well, we're going back to the same school. It's uh, Kurt Kreese to West Virginia. Mm. Um and I want to preface this by saying that there's a lot of buzz out there about Kirk Creasa not being a good basketball player or whatever. Like, I think he's fine. I don't think he's a great point guard, and I don't think he's a bad point guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid passer, obviously, like a streaky, but can be really, really good shooter. Has a turnover problem mm-hmm. um, and doesn't really create anything inside the perimeter. But... It's not like he's got to be perfect in that way. Mm. My problem is less about that and more about I I can understand why West Virginia wanted him. I mean, they need a pure point guard to run the thing. But Mm. on paper, it's very easy to see him and Bob just hating each other by Christmas. Mm. Uh, Because Creasa can be a real loose cannon out there, not just emotionally, but with like his decision making. I mean, you and I have watched Arizona a bunch the last two years. He is capable of making some amazing plays and capable of doing some of the stupidest stuff you've ever seen from a point guard Mm. within the same media timeout block. Mm. Um, And so I think there's going to be games where it's like, oh, Kirk Creasa dropped 22 and shot, you know, four of five from three or whatever as West Virginia beat Texas. Mm. And then you're going to turn in two nights later. It's like, Oh, Kirk Creasa turned it over six times in a uh, 17 point loss to Texas Tech. Yeah. Uh, and that's just going to be that experience. And I, I guess people kind of think of like, oh, he could be in a different situation. It could be better. But when you're already 22, you've more or less, you've come pretty darn close to maxing out what you can do at the college level. And he was a bad individual defender at Arizona. And West Virginia is not really a system that hides individual defenders. I'm just, it's a, it's a fit that I understand why they did it, but I, I, I'm going to need some convincing to think it's going to go well more than just okay at best. That's fair. Um, There you go. Uh, In terms of the Tennessee volunteers though, Will Warren, it's going to be a different looking group. We didn't think they would end up getting both. You've tweeted a little bit about Ledlam. Um, I'm going to go ahead and guess that you're more of a Dalton Connect fan than uh, Chris Ledlam in this uh, Rick Barnes system and more of what Tennessee might need um, at this point in time. But looks like with Zakai probably not being ready to go uh, to start next year, we're looking at, what, Freddie DeLeon, mm-hmm. uh, Dalton Connect. <sighs> Who are we putting in Santiago, obviously, uh, coming back, which I think is huge. We can touch on that. Um, and then uh, Chris Ledlam and Jonas Adu as your starting five. And when Zakai's ready, he slides in for Freddie, unless he doesn't, because Freddie's just really good um, out of the gate and is actually a really important score, um, which we're all hoping is the case because there is a lot of, like, it's a pretty fun potential backcourt with Freddie and Santiago because we haven't really seen two just guys that you actually trust to um shoot the ball really well the guard spot playing at the same time uh, the last couple of years at the university of tennessee but when you look at all of that and the spacing potential and what these two guys are going to bring in the return of santiago vescovi how would you uh how would you 
uh, describe uh, your feelings as to what Rick Barnes and the Vols have done this offseason? Uh, I like it, honestly. I think um, they've made some moves that are smart. I, I understand people's um, fear of going into next season without a true backup point guard, but, you know, connect. I mean, that should be BJ Edwards, right? Uh, we'll see. It, um, or to my Mayshack based on the time he got last year. I actually, to be honest, I think it's going to be Freddie DeLeon. Uh, <laughs> DeLeon was a ball handler in high school tremendous at attacking the paint and mm. shooting and passing but the other guy is going to be connect because uh, mm. connect was the primary ball handler at northern colorado and i think they i don't think he would have come to tennessee had they not sold him on being able to run the offense in a similar manner at least at, for significant stretches mm. because on paper if you look at this from a neutral perspective it's a baffling marriage of a guy who is best when he's on the ball and uh, a system that does not do on-ball screens. Mm. Um, so either Tennessee has going is going to change a lot, or Dalton Connect got sold up the river, and I guess we're just going to see what. Um, but I, I really do think on paper this is a, a very sensical grouping of players, more even than last year. We're edging closer to Tennessee, not... I mean, physically being unable to play multiple non-shooters at once. I mean, the center the center rotation is going to be interesting for them with figuring out where J.P. Estrella fits in with mm-hmm. uh, I do and a walk. I think I do is probably your penciled-in starter and, you know, like 25-minute-a-night guy. But I mean, he's, a, he's gone and actually enters the portal, if that's not clear. I'm going to go ahead and guess. Really? I'm going to go ahead and guess, that, like, with J.P. and company and – where they were going with Ledlam and like, Hey, uh, like that, that just strikes me as like when there was a little bit of rumor, like, did you, do you remember that? Like there was a little bit of scuttlebutt about Jonas. I do entering the portal, uh, after the season. And then he, that, that quickly died. I'm going to go ahead and guess there was a conversation of like, no, you're, you're probably going to start at the five. I... And also he probably should Jonas. If he shoot, like uh, my rule is like this off season, he is only allowed to shoot corner threes and top of the key threes for six months straight like that's all you're allowed to do like, that's yeah, it he needs to if if Plavsic was shooting threes and warm-ups i think a dude needs to be shooting but some. he also needs to shoot him in games because he actually has pretty nice touch for his like he yeah he could do it and he's a great defensive player too right that just opens up so many things in this tennessee offense and i'm better about him playing with tobe if he expands his game because those two on defense yeah so I, I think Tennessee's going to have a lot of interesting lineup options. Mm. You figure, I think Ledlam's going to be a lot more efficient in an offense where he's not asked to do the whole thing like he mm. was at Harvard. Uh, I have I was very pessimistic on that fit at first because you see 29% from three and you're like, no thanks. Mm. But he made a jump from sophomore to junior year and you figure, again, in an offense that's, he's seen guys that look like him do this thing before for Tennessee and are built like him. I mean... I, I lean more optimistic than not that Tennessee will figure out a, a way to play for him. Um, and then connect. Fascinating fit. Mm. Uh, I don't know what the play is there necessarily, but we'll see. Uh, but I think when I look at when I look at Tennessee next year, your defense is probably going to take a little bit of a step back, like not a giant one. Hmm. But considering you lose Triple J, you lose Julian in all likelihood, I, I have not heard anybody willing to say that Phillips is coming back. Yeah. Which I think has been the assumption for most of the I think he's out. Like, I don't think... There's no yeah. space. Like, I, I don't yeah. think he can. James will be gone, too, I'm yeah. pretty sure. Uh, but 
I mean, like you're still going to have Ziggler post-injury, Vescovi, Dillion is could be good as a defender. I haven't heard much on that end. He's long, like, right? I mean, yeah, he's long. Meshack, obviously. Ledlam was a very good defender at Harvard. We know mm. about Adu and Awaka. Um, and Vescovi, too, yeah. So mm. the, the defense is still going to be good, but I think on paper the offense really should be much improved. Yeah. Uh, and for Tennessee purposes, that just means being top 25. Like, that's all people I think are asking for is to have a top 25 offense. They don't mm. want Gonzaga necessarily. They just want consistent competency. Yeah. Which is Where it's not, not Santiago ask. being asked to do, let me check my notes here, everything, um, yeah. which will be nice for him. Yeah, and I think it's it's going to be really nice for Tennessee to have, if they're willing to let him do it, connect, you know, pull up off of screens, and you, you will have go-to bucket getters this year where your dogs are not necessarily five foot nine. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, when I did the post-mortem of the season back in March, the thing that stood out to me was, you know, the only two guys in Tennessee's roster that had both 50 or more rim attempts and 50 or more three-point attempts were Zakai and Kamwa. Mm. And, you know, one of those guys was riding a scooter on the bench. So your only guy who could do it both from inside and out consistently, you know, showed up once every blue moon. So and I think it's good to see that this offseason, Tennessee has added Connect, who mm. 50 and 100, Ledlam, same thing, 50 and 100, and Ganey, 50 and 100. Yeah. So all three of those guys meet the metrics that Tennessee didn't have last year, which, you know, will they hold to that at Tennessee? I don't know, but it's at least a sign of progress in an area where they've been needing to make progress basically since Grant and Admiral left campus. That's fair. I'm more excited. Like, and then you see Lenardi's early 2024, the man's an animal uh bracketology and tennessee profiling is a two seed so that's why it's why i'll never be able to quit him he 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 goes in no matter the time of the year we love it we love it uh will no real stats that caught your eye this week right like we don't really have any or do you have one i've got some off-season ones um but just one okay uh what team and this is a high major team has the Mm. lowest percentage of minutes returning from their previous season's roster as of now did you say this is a mid-major? High major. I, they're an ACC team. That, so, that, so oh, uh, Georgia Tech. It's not Georgia Tech. Oh, because they had a lot that entered the portal. Um, let me think. Um, UVA? It's Notre Dame. Oh, Notre Dame was obvious. I forgot about Notre Dame. I forgot, I forgot about Notre they're Dame. in the ACC too. But yeah. they have just 2% of minutes returning yeah. from last year's roster. Uh, they only have seven scholarship players uh, at mm. the moment. so uh, It's going to take Shrewsbury... some time getting used to Micah Shrewsbury is the coach there. Yes. Like, I have forgotten about that, and now it's weird that Mike Bray is going to be an assistant coach for my bas- my professional basketball team going into next year, which is weird. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's just seeing Mike Bray on the sideline next to Quinn Snyder. It's just uh, some college hoops junkies are going to be loving the Atlanta <laughs> Hawks. Quinn, we need to get... Who else can we join the party here? Jim Beheim maybe can join. Who else could... Can... <laughs> Like, just go full on. Remember this college coach um, backing up Quinn because a lot of people forget the, the Missouri years uh, for Quinn Snyder. Um, hmm. Their name should be interesting. And I, I'm interested to see how sustainable what he built at Penn State is because they, they had some portal lock. And I like um, uh, Coach Rhodes. And he did really well at yes. VCU. And he was on this, pro, uh, this program last year. And I like him. So I'm rooting for him. But it's very different than what Micah was building at Penn State. So I'm kind of. 
wondering it's like was that scheme the way to kind of bring Penn State back and this is not going to go as well but he has ties and all that I'm, I'm very curious to see what Penn State looks like over the next two years because they have just been dormant for so long and he brought him back and then I, I'm curious if um, they're sustainable uh, a sustainable good team now yeah I'm, I'm, I'm interested in them as well and you know Notre Dame uh, it's going to be a little bit for them to be any good but mm. um you get the coach's son, which is honestly a good thing. His his yeah. son is actually quite a very good basketball player, uh, four star guard, mm-hmm. uh, and so instantly one of Notre Dame's better recruits of the last decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, who ends up winning this? It's not a trade, but who ends up winning this sort of, you know, handoff between you know one regional classic powerhouse of a kind. And one program that had nothing going for it really before Shrewsbury got there. Yeah. Um, really interested to see if he can sustain it at Notre Dame and uh, number one, how long it takes him to get going there. Cause it, I yeah. mean, it wasn't instantaneous at Penn state. Like he had a, an all right first year and then he really did take off this past season. So I think he's going to be good. My gut is I, yeah. I'm bullish on Micah at Notre Dame. I think they're going to be good. That's my gut. I would agree too. Uh, I'm, Hoping I think he's him, actually he more finds... fun higher than Chris Holtman too. I think he'll succeed. I, I I would believe in him succeeding more than Chris Holtman there. He needs to find a second Jalen Pickett though. Yeah, it's gonna be hard to do. But we'll see. Notre Dame's good in the NIL space. I think. Yes. Uh, so I think they'll be okay. Uh, but we shall see. Will and uh, go subscribe to Will Substack. Yes. Substack dot or Substack dot com. Uh, <laughs> stats by Will. <laughs> substack.com type in an email become a subscriber that easy that simple college basketball does not sleep there's all <laughs> kinds of content and you can catch up on stuff from uh earlier this year and kind of get you ready for the summer and just it's it's all topical and if you want to be a smarter college basketball fan then you should be subscribed to stats by will over yes substack more off-season content coming mm-hmm. as well yeah it's it's a it's a slow time of the year, which is nice because I can like focus on other projects, but it's also, you're just like, (laughs) you want some news and I don't really feel like being the portal guy. There's already a lot of portal guys out there. You don't want to be the portal guy. Will. no, it's just a tough, the news breaker life is I think the worst job you can have in sports. Yes. I would agree with that. Like when Shams reveal, he's like on his phone 20 hours a day. Like that's like his screen time. And just like, that's just not a healthy way of living. Uh, hard pass. Uh, Will Warren, Radio thank you as always, my friend. Brains, and I'm I will to talk to you, you next week. The end of Thanks today's episode on. of the Chase Thomas podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas podcast. Hell yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.